And we have an additional scripture reading this morning as well from the book of Revelation. From Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. Grace and peace from him who is and was who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before the throne. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priest serving us God, the Father. And to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is, as well, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As a pastor, I've had the privilege in my life of dedicating a fair number of things in my life. I have, uh, I've had the privilege of when a business opens, uh, to get to come in and say a prayer of dedication over a new business. Uh, I've had many friends of mine uh, in ministry who when they buy new, when they build a house or bought a new house, they'll have me come in and kind of say a little prayer blessing over the new house that they've purchased. Uh, when we baptize a baby, it's not a baby dedication as much as it is a baptism, but in that there are moments where the families will say, we pledge to do these things and we pledge to do our part in the raising of this child. So I have been uh, privileged in my life to... Ask God to bless certain things. And then to have those certain things set aside as something that is for God's glory. Last week in worship, I talked about how there's nothing magical about worship space. This is just a tree one day. Nothing is sacred about a tree. But it's the purpose behind the, the table is the fact that this table was dedicated for the worship of a triune God. There's nothing magical about a church that makes it sacred. What makes it sacred is the fact that it's a space reserved and dedicated to the worship and the glory of the triune God. And that in a church, everything that you see before you was something that was purchased with the tithes and the offerings of the people of God. So everything in the church is a physical manifestation of the gift of worship, thus making everything in here sacred. The sacredness doesn't come from the thing itself, but from the God who blesses it. We see in Scripture this notion of God reserving or blessing certain things. The tithe that we offer back to God is something that God has asked for and told us. The first fruits of what he has given us, he has reserved for himself. Certain things in life are dedicated to God. Reserved for God, purposed for God. In fact, that's why we read the Old Testament lesson that was so beautifully read this morning. In that passage, we see this. Originally, that the scripture tells us that God was going to take the firstborn of every family of Israel, and that firstborn was going to be a priest. God was going to reserve the firstborn of every family to be a priest to serve him. Across the, the whole of Israel, all 12 tribes, the firstborn to God. Then God says this, no, instead of the firstborn, I will take the tribe of Levi. And the Levites, they will be my priest. They will be the ones that I have reserved for myself to serve me, to worship me, to lead the people in my name. I am reserving or I am dedicating these individuals to lead the people in worship. I was fortunate this past week um, 
to be part in a good old-fashioned Methodist camp meeting. There are about seven Methodist camp meetings in our state. Uh, Felders out from Macomb, Shiloh out from Peelahatchee. Um, you've got uh, South Union up in Ackerman. Then you've got Salem out from Loosedale, New Prospect out from Van Cleve, Palmer's Creek out from the coast. And I feel like I'm forgetting another one. But these are basically um, week-long religious services. I, I, was, I preached from Monday night till Friday morning, eight times in four or five days. I about ran out of stuff to say. I mean, you, you preach that eighth sermon, and you're kind of sick of them, and they're kind of sick of you. So they're, they're ready for a break. It's a lot of fun, though. And this past week, I preached at night about key moments in church history where things changed. Or rather, world history. The creation made in God's image. And the fall, the corruption of the original goodness of God that he bestowed upon us. Then we see God's response. We see God's response through the cross where, God, where Jesus paid for our sins. And the empty grave where Christ has overcome our sins. But then we get to Pentecost. Pentecost is such a significant moment. Because in Pentecost, we see something shift that happened in the Old Testament. Because we just read, we read in Leviticus, we read in, I'm sorry, in Numbers, that God has reserved these specific people to be his priests. That God has reserved these specific Levites to be the priest to serve him. Cool. God says, these folks right here, you're mine. I'm marking you, you're mine. Then at Pentecost, something interesting happens. The Holy Spirit falls. And instead of the Holy Spirit or the call of God or the purpose of God being reserved for just one person or one group or one tribe or one people, it's flung out for everybody. I describe the Holy Spirit pre-Pentecost as a rifle shot. One shot for one thing. Post-Pentecost, it's a buckshot. Just flung out for everybody. And so we, did you see in Numbers that God says, these are my priests. These are who I'm reserving for my people. These specific people. What do we see in Revelation? I have made you all a kingdom of priests to serve our God. We're in stewardship season. We talk about how stuff works this year, this, this year, how things take place, how church happens, how work happens. Y'all, we got a problem in our church. You've seen it this morning already. We got too many kids. Seriously, y'all. We got too many kids. They're coming out of our ears. We don't know what to do with them. We need you. I told the early traditional service how stuff happens in the church, how we make things happen in the church. You might not have ever explored the church, but let me tell you how, how things happen in the church. In the back behind the sanctuary, you got to look real hard to find it. It's kind of hard to find. But in the sanctuary, back behind the sanctuary, if you look hard enough and listen a little bit, you'll see how stuff happens. We have in the back hallway there a magic church fairy. And when there's something that needs to happen in the church, we go back there. Usually it's Tim. And he lets the church fairy out. The church fairy flies around the church. 
And she sprinkles her magic church fairy dust everywhere. And then things happen. You really ought to come check out next week for Fall Fest. We're going to turn her loose on the south property. We're going to put a little ankle bracelet on her because we're afraid Ridgecrest might try to steal her. And she's going to go around just sprinkling church dust all over the south property. And Fall Fest will just magically happen. Hopefully you are fluent in my native language of sarcasm. And understand that I'm just joking. There is no church fairy. It's you. It's me. It's us. That's how church happens. That's how church happens. And we see today, we see today that the call of God, we see today today that the purpose of God, we see today that the people that God uses, that call is not just reserved to a specific person or a specific profession or a specific family, a specific income bracket, a specific zip code. No, 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 no. We see, we see in Revelation, we see post-Pentecost, all that's chunked out the window. We see post-Pentecost, none of that matters anymore. Because yes, pre-Pentecost, God had reserved a specific people, those Levites, to worship and to serve and to lead. But post-Pentecost, y'all, which is where we all are, we see that we are now, all of us, all of us, a kingdom of priests dedicated to serving God. It isn't just the preachers or the staff or the folks who have been there for a million years or the folks who have family in the church. It isn't just the job of the parents of children to teach the children. It's all of our job. Because y'all, didn't we make a promise at their baptism? Yeah, we did. It isn't just the job of the parents of youth to raise the youth. I was at the Southern Miss game last night sitting beside a person that I had no idea was even in church. And, and she's been volunteering in her youth ministry at her local church, a local church in the area, by the way. For She started when her son was in seventh grade. That son's now getting his, his finishing law school next year. And guess what she's still doing? Serving in youth ministry. And she'd already done her time, hadn't she? But yet she continued because she knew for the good of that church and for the health of that church, it was her job. But not just that. She understood Revelation 1. She was part of that kingdom of priests dedicating to serving their God. We've talked of sacred space and how everything in this space has value. Today we're talking about sacred people. We are so blessed with children here, y'all. We're so blessed with youth. And they are called by God to know of his goodness and to know of his mercy. They are sacred. They are made in the image of God. And they're here for a purpose. And God has given them to us. He has given them to us for the purpose of our training them and teaching them, and loving them, and caring for them, and mentoring them, and pouring into them, and being there for them. And y'all, that's not just the job of their parents. That's the job of the church. 
That's the job of the church. One of the questions John Wesley asked his first preachers was this, is do you feel called to spend time with the children? One preacher to Wesley said, I do not feel called to spend time with children, to which Wesley responded, then you are not called to be a Methodist pastor. It was that simple. We have that calling, y'all, because the only way our children will know the truth of Jesus Christ is if we model it, if, if we teach it, if we share it, if we love them. I heard somebody say one time, Christianity is always one generation away from extinction because it's up to us to teach the way of Christ to the next generation. It's up to us to model the way of Christ to the next generation. It's up to us to love the next generation, y'all, and that can be hard sometimes. But it's our calling, y'all. It's our calling. The Bible says today that we are a kingdom of priests to serve our God. The old dynamic is no more. The ways of the past are no more. It is no longer just the job of certain people to lead the church. It's no longer the job of certain groups to lead the church. But it's all of us. It's all of us. It's me. It's you. It's all of us. Yes. That is our mission. That's our calling. That's our purpose. I have been shaped by so many people in my life. So many pastors, so many teachers. But one of the greatest men that have ever shaped me was my former SPRC chair up in, uh, up in Ripley. It was Billy Tisdale. Uh, he was a, a good man, is a good man. Um, and um, Mr. Billy, when I was at a time in my life uh, when I was uh, pretty broken, um, I had, I had a, one of my mentors used to always say, as a preacher, some churches fit you well and some don't. Well, I was at a church where I was, I was not a good fit. I just was not a good fit at this church. And I loved them and they loved me, but I just wasn't working there. Just wasn't working. And I left that place pretty broken. It's basically praying, Lord, if you'll release me from this call, I'll gladly leave. If you'll let me do anything else, I'll gladly go do it. And I didn't just pray that prayer. I was praying that prayer pretty hard. And I went to Ripley kind of broken. And there I met some of the kindest, nicest people. But Mr. Billy especially. Mr. Billy loved me. He loved our family. He took me out to eat. He encouraged me. He poured into me. He, in many ways, saved my ministry. I'd have quit. I was that close. But Mr. Billy just kept loving me. When I'd get frustrated at a meeting that went bad, he loved me. When my sermons stunk, as they often do, he loved me. When I felt completely inadequate, he loved me. Mr. Billy was a paper salesman. Well, no, at that point, he owned a dry cleaners. He was a paper salesman before that. He hadn't been to seminary. 
He had no theological training. He was a church member who loved Jesus. And because he loved Jesus, he loved me. And God sent that man into my life at just the right moment where I needed it. Or I don't know where I would have been. This morning, I have two questions for you in closing. Who is that person in your life who believed in you, who led you to faith, who loved you in Jesus' name, even when you didn't feel you deserved it? Who's that person? If they're still living, tell them about it. Give them a call. Give them a message. Let them know how much they mean to you. And secondly, who will you be that person to? Which child? Which youth? Which Sunday school member? Which pew mate? Which person do you see walking down the hall? Do you say this morning, you know what? As they were to me, I will be to them. Because, y'all, I believe here in the church we have a danger. The primary reason I hear when folks leave the church is this. Well, I'm not being fed. That's, that's the primary reason. And so sometimes if we're not careful, we'll feed and 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 we'll feed, but we'll never exercise. And that's an unhealthy diet. You got to eat right, but you also got to exercise. Our faith can be unhealthy, unhealthy. If all we're doing is feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding, but yet never, never serving. This morning, you are a kingdom of priests made to serve our God. Let's be thankful for the folks who have poured into us, the sacred people in our life. And let's prayerfully consider who are the people and where are the places that we will serve in our life. Let's pray.